been a number of years since I've actually slept through the night. I, I, I can't remember the last time I actually slept from, say, 10 till 7 without waking up, without getting up and down or whatever. I really don't have a, a good sleep pattern. Very disturbed. Uh, and I've got into the habit of, this might be why I don't sleep, listening to the radio. When I, go to, I really enjoy listening to the radio uh, when I go to bed. So I put my ear, earphones in. As long as they're in, Lynn's quite happy. When they pop out and things, then not so happy with me listening. Um, and so I tend to fall asleep listening to the radio. And then I'll wake up maybe a few hours later. And I'll listen to the radio. It's still going on in my head. Again, I've earphones falling. I'll put it in, listen to whatever's on. And, and then you get some great some strange programs on the radio in the middle of the night. You, you get these sort of phone-ins and, you know, what's that people stay up all night phoning the radios at two and three in the morning? You can get the picture, you get some interesting characters and interesting views on things. But I, I listened to the radio and uh, I was listening to is it BBC World, uh, the World News. It's, it's throughout the night that goes on Radio 4. And just a couple of nights ago, they were doing a wee section on songs for New Year, and they were just talking about songs that are sung at New Year, that are appropriate for New Year, and one of them did mention, of course, Old Lang Syne came up, and they were saying throughout the world, thousands of people will be singing this song at New Year, and then they had a very interesting discussion to what it actually meant, and I don't think any of them actually knew what the term for Old Lang Syne meant at all, so we had all sorts of ideas, it was quite interesting to listen to. And then someone suggested, this would be a good song for the new year. I'm not going to sing this. That would be terrible for you. When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. And don't be afraid of the dark, darkness. At the end of a storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark. Walk on. Through the wind, walk on through the rain. Though your dreams be tossed and blown, walk on, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone. Now, some of you will be grinding your teeth hearing those words, perhaps. Famous football anthems from a couple of very famous football teams. But I was listening to the song, half asleep, half awake, listening to them talking about it. And I thought, I'll need to tell Gregor, that'd be a title for Sunday, You'll Never Walk Alone. Because in a sense, it'd be a good title for the psalm we're going to read now. And it's Psalm 121. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to this psalm, because this psalm is, it's a song. It's part of about 14 psalms, they're called the Songs of Ascent, and you've probably heard this before. It's believed they were used almost like a wee mini mission praise book as the pilgrims made their way three times a year up to Jerusalem, and it certainly was an uphill climb to get to Jerusalem for three great festivals throughout the year. And so it was a song book, and Psalm 121 is one of these songs and it's a very fitting psalm because it's a psalm of really unadulterated trust and confidence in God. 
And therefore, I think it's very appropriate for us as we go into a new year. It was a song which the psalmist expresses their confidence in whatever, as a pilgrim, as they journey towards Jerusalem, as they make their way, whatever befalls them, whatever may happen, God is their helper. It's a trust that God is more than faithful to see them through and more than able to help them reach their destination. And I thought it was appropriate as we go into this new year, say go into this new year, I feel as though we're almost tiptoeing into the new year. Uh, I was watching the news about all the subdued celebrations throughout the country over the last couple of days. And there's that great sense of, of almost uncertainty because of, I don't have to spell out for you what's happening. I mean, it's interesting you think about it, we're going into our third year now of COVID. I think it's almost remarkable to say that, entering into the third year of this virus that's disrupted so many lives and disrupted a world around us. And we are called as God's people to go into this new year. We're called to live out our discipleship. We're called, even in this uncertain world, to move forward towards God and to move forward with faith. And as we go into 2022 and as we seek to live out our life as a church and as individual Christians, this psalm would encourage us to do it with confidence, to do it with assurance, and to do it with, as Karen mentioned, to do it with real hope. Because it's a psalm that reminds us that come what may, You'll never walk alone. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Before we come to God's Word this morning, we'll stand and sing. It's, I'm hoping you know it. Father God, we worship you. Make us part of all you do. It's a song we can use as a prayer as we seek God's presence to, to speak to us and to strengthen us and renew our faith this morning. Uh, do, we, do we know this one? It's 131 Mission Praise. Father God, anybody know it? Father God, we worship you. Make us part of all you do. No? Well, what we'll do is, Janice, would you play the first verse? It's dead easy. Lovely words. So we'll play the first verse. Just listen and see if we can follow it through. As these pilgrims would make their way to Jerusalem, they would do so, uh, no doubt, very much aware of the fact that the journey could be quite hazardous. It could be quite uncertain with what they would face, what they would come up against as they traveled. And, and quite often, naturally, you'd be fearful. 
and anxious about what lay ahead and the dangers. And the psalm highlights um, in a very sort of general way some of the dangers that you might face as you make pilgrimage, as you, as you journey. In verse 3, they speak of, of your foot slipping, the danger of your foot slipping. And you can imagine if you're walking through a desert land, lots of stones and rocks, the danger of your foot slipping, going over on your ankle and spraining your ankle with a, with a long journey ahead in the desert would not be a good thing to happen. It speaks about the danger coming from the sun. In verse 6, the sun will not harm you by day. Now, I know in Scotland we can't really connect with this, the sun being a danger. Um, and, uh, do you know, I'm just thinking, Lynn knows I'm not a sun worshipper uh, here, but I think about a couple of years, a few years ago, we were on holiday in Croatia, and uh, my daughter was with us, and she wanted to go a, a day trip to, into Bosnia to go and visit the town of Mostar, which was very much on the news during the, the Croat-Bosnian war. So I felt obliged to go with her, just to protect her or whatever, just to be there. wasn't that desperate to go and see Mostar. And we went in this minibus and we travelled for two, two and a half hours. Uh, and the lady who was leading it said, oh, by the way, just to let you know, Mostar's the hottest spot in Europe today. Um, and so we got out of the minibus and the heat and the sun, it was relentless. And after about 10, 15 minutes, uh, my will to live had virtually gone because I'm not a sun person really uh, and the sweat was pouring off me and I was starting to stagger and really my patience was going as well as she wanted to traipse about and eventually just out of ex exhaustion I had to get into a cafe or a rest I don't care how dear it is how expensive it is we're going in somewhere with aircon to sit and I collapsed in a chair really just I had to take time to really get my breath back and sort of recover. Um, doesn't happen very often here. But as you can imagine in the Middle East, if you're traveling a long distance out in the desert heat and the sun, the real danger, physical danger of sunstroke. And he says, nor the moon shall harm you by night. And of course, um, the moon was often associated as having an influence over your emotions and your feelings. And if you're making a long, treacherous journey, a long, tiresome journey, then the moon could, many people understood and believed, could affect your emotions and how you felt as you traveled. And, and we know that, and we get that with our own language, don't we? We talk about the word lunacy, you know, affecting a, a state of mind coming from the word luna, to tying in with the moon. And the writer just highlights really general dangers and so it would be quite easy for a pilgrim as they set out who is very much aware of the dangers of a journey to be feeling anxious or afraid. And yet when we read this psalm, actually nothing could be further from the truth. It exudes, it comes out of almost every pore from the psalmist, a trust in God for the journey. And this confidence that whatever he may have to face as he goes into this future, help is at hand. And that help and that confidence is expressed in the first couple of verses. This is really the statement of faith in the psalm, the basis for his confidence. It's interesting the psalmist doesn't really focus a lot on the possible dangers, the possible troubles that lie ahead. His focus is on the Lord Almighty. 
He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, under whose care he walks towards Jerusalem. He speaks to himself here. He looks to the hills as he approached Jerusalem, surrounded by the hills and, and the mountains. And perhaps he's thinking of how splendid they look, how strong, how beautiful, how firm. Perhaps he's thinking of them as a place of danger because the hills were thought to be full of bandits and robbers. It doesn't really matter either or. The psalmist soon comes to the conclusion that his look is not to the hills, not to the creation, but to the one who actually made the hills. He lifts his eyes beyond creation to the creator. He realizes after all, they're just hills. That's all they are. They're rock and stone. He knows someone far better. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who is sovereign the one who is the creator, the all-powerful sustainer of all things. When he says the maker of heaven and earth there, you've almost got, you've got extreme contrast, haven't you? Heaven and earth. And what the writer's saying is, my help is in the Lord, the maker of everything. Everything that there is. And it's a picture of a God who's sovereign over all that he has made. And the psalmist recognizes that far from being fearful or anxious, his life and his journey is lived within the context of knowing the God who is the creator and the sovereign Lord, the one who ultimately is in control of this world and indeed his life. And that's a good thing for us to remember as we go into a world full of uncertainty in the coming year that this isn't a world that's running out of control. It's a world that's in God's hands because it's his world. He made it, he sustains it, and he is working his purposes out in our world and also in our lives. And the rest of the psalm really is, is quite a simple, just outworking of what this actually looks like in his life this trust and confidence. It's an outworking of what that will look like. And he, he switches from, you'll notice it's the first two verses, it's I and my. And then the rest of the psalm, it's, it's in the second person, the second person singular, it's you. It changes here. So is he having an internal conversation with himself? Nothing wrong with talking to yourself, Well. I don't think so. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> Quite a good thing to do. At least you get the right answers. You talk to yourself. I don't, is he talking to himself? Or, or is it perhaps he's talking to another pilgrim or another pilgrim talking to him? I quite like that idea when I was thinking about this psalm. The fact that he's talking to someone else who's maybe thinking, maybe hesitating about what lies ahead and he's encouraging them to go on that journey. And that's why it's good, isn't it? As Christians, although we individually live our Christian life, we, we live it in the context of church and within a fellowship. I'm sure many of you can think back over the last year, maybe for someone in the fellowship who's encouraged you, just simply with a word or a prayer or 
just a comment or a phone call or a card. And that's our, our role, isn't it? We walk together on this journey, this journey of faith. And we're called to encourage one another and to remind each other at times of just who God is and why we can trust him. I need that reminding sometimes, and I'm sure you do. And that's maybe what's happening here in this psalm. Just reminding and encouraging one another in faith and to go forward with confidence. And what the writer of the psalm spells out, of course, is this sense of the care of God over his life. And the picture of God given, he is one who's intimately concerned with their lives. Yes, he's concerned with the people of Israel, but he's also concerned with them as individuals. And the writer of this psalm dares to believe, and I say dare to believe because it is quite remarkable. Think of that old poem, the old song. God who made the earth, the air, the sky, the sea, who gave the light its birth, the creator of heaven and earth, careth for me. And that seems to be what's giving him this confidence and this sense of hope as he moves forward. And five times throughout the psalm, you read of the Lord watching, don't you? Um, the Lord watches over. The Lord watches. The Lord watches five times throughout. And it gives you that sense of the Lord being there and actively concerned. I'm a, I'm a grandfather. I know it's hard to believe looking at me, but I am. And I'm a bit of a, a pain in the neck, I think, to my, my kids sometimes with their children because when they're in my house or I'm in their house, I'm always on on the case. Watch her. Don't let her do that. Watch, she's got, you and you better get up the stairs behind her. Look at, watch that table. Move, move that. Watch the plug. And, and I'm a bit paranoid when they're in the house. Uh, much to everybody's, I don't think it's amusement. I think it eventually grinds them down. Oh, for Pete's sake. Leave them alone. You know, uh, but I can always see the dangers. And I remember two or three years ago we were at Christmas over in Lynn's sister's house and and of course, Mirren, the youngest one, was playing. And of course, I'm falling about watching her. Are you okay? Watch that, watch that, move that, move that. And eventually, she's got a lovely big wooden rocking horse. And I put her on this wooden rocking horse. Most of the family were all in the other room because they knew I had her. Nothing could go wrong, you know. And I put her on the rocking horse. And quite a big thing. And I don't know what happened. I turned away. I looked. Somebody said something. And the next minute, wallop. <gasps> oh, jinx. And then... She was lying down the back, stuck in between the wall and the rocking horse. And then the tears came and I felt terrible. I, I was a failure as a granddad. Took my offer for a moment and she was down. The psalmist speaks of the one who never takes his eye off us. He watches over us constantly. And he doesn't fall asleep either. He's always awake. I'm thinking of Paw Patrol again. See the things you get is always on the job. Those of you, your children will know well, some of these phrases. And he's a God who's always on the job. He never slumbers. He never sleeps, we're told. He watches over you, will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That's what he's aware of. He's a God who's always awake. 
And it's almost here like a wee dig at the other gods here. Do you remember the story in 1 Kings 18? The story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And there's that sort of contest. Let's see whose God is real. And they set up the sacrifices. And the prophets of Baal begin to call upon their God. And, and Elijah begins to sort of taunt them, doesn't he? He sort of, sort of takes the mickey out. Oh, come on, shall we be a bit louder? Perhaps he's, he's away in business or he's, he's, he's tired. Maybe your, God, maybe your gods are asleep. You need to really shout to wake them up. Indeed, in those days, they did believe that perhaps they had to rouse the gods with calling to them. But our God is a God that never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's constantly aware of what's going on in our lives. As it says in verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. No matter where, no matter when, no matter what's happening, both now and in the future. The psalmist is assured and we can be assured of God's care for us. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to say. And God's care, dare I say, not just in the big stuff, our salvation, yes, fantastic, you know. But as one writer said, God condescends to be interested in the soap opera of our lives. We have a God who's interested in us. Not just the big things, but the daily things in our daily walk with him. Jesus reminded his disciples, didn't he, that not a sparrow falls, yet the Father knows, and even the very hairs of your head are counted. And he uses those images just to remind his disciples of God's intimate care and concern for them. And so we can share the confidence of the psalmist as we go into this new year, that come what may, whatever we may face, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we are assured of God's constant watching over us and his caring concern for our lives. So he rests in that care, but he rests also in delight, almost, in God's presence with him as well. It's there in verse 5, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. He's going to walk this journey in the shadow of the Lord's presence. He has a traveling companion who will be with him every day along the way as he journeys. Irrespective of what dangers he may face, what might befall him, he is assured of the presence of the Lord with him. An ever-present help in trouble. And isn't presence what we need? In our life, we've been living in a Zoom world for the last two years, haven't we? And Teams and Zoom and all sorts of things where we can't actually really be together very often. And it's been hard. It's hard at work. Sometimes you have meetings and you can carry out meetings. It's got advantages as well, but nothing beats face-to-face -face interaction. And you can talk to your family on Zoom, but nothing beats actually being there with them and present with them. And that's the promise that we have, isn't it, with our God. I'm sorry to use the grandchildren again, but it just comes into mind. We had our, our youngest one, Albie, with us 
I know, Albie, yes, that's his name, uh, a couple of weeks ago, staying overnight, basically to give David and Kirsty a wee break because he's not been a great sleeper lately. And so we put them to bed. When I say we, I do mean the royal we here. So when I, when I say we, I mean Lynn, okay? Puts them to bed. And, oh, that's great, I know, I've known fantastic. An hour later, up goes the, the scream. So we, Lynn, goes through, you know, five, ten minutes later, she's back through, peace and quiet. Yes, bingo. He's all upset, and then Lynn goes in, and he's aware of the calming presence of someone else, and off he goes to sleep. Problem is, an hour later, it's the same again, and an hour later, and an hour later with us. Um, but it's that sense, isn't it? The sense of the presence of someone that brings calming reassurance. And the wonderful truth for us as Christians, of course, is that we have that wonderful promise, don't we, of the presence of God with us. And Jesus was sending his disciples out into the world, he says, and remember, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Apostle Paul, when he's speaking to the, the Christians at Philippi in chapter 4, says to them, remember, the Lord is near. And that translation could actually be the Lord is at your elbow. He's by your side. And the next few words are, therefore, do not be anxious. And maybe there's some here, someone here today just needs to hear that. Simple as that. To know that the Lord is near. Do not be anxious. As we go into this new year, we really don't know what's going to come, do we? We're putting our plans in the calendar and pencil. Well, okay, I'm a Luddite. Yes, I'm using pencil because we know we're going to have to probably rub them out and change them because things are so uncertain. But always remember, and this isn't anything mind-blowing, by the way, today. Just very simple truth. And sometimes it's good just to be reminded of what we already know and to grasp that again, that the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And that's what really the psalmist discovered in this psalm, that because the Lord was with him, he knew he would never walk alone. And as the Lord comes to him and, and is beside him and the Lord watches over him, so he has this tremendous sense of the Lord's protection and security. And it's one of the key thoughts of the psalm. Yes, he's aware of dangers and trouble that could lie ahead. But with the Lord beside him, he knows that the Lord is more than a match for anything he could be asked to face and there's an ever-widening circle in this psalm of promise. The psalmist speaks of the stones and the sun and, and the moon as being dangerous and maybe the hills. And then in verse 7, you get this, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. I wonder how you, wonder how you feel when you read that. The Lord will keep you from all harm because when you read through much of the Psalms, you find lots of this stuff God's been spoken of as being a shield, being protector, protecting his people from harm. And yet we know <laughs> everyday people do slip and hurt their feet. 
People do suffer from sunstroke. We do get ill. <laughs> the same as everybody else. And I think when we read these verses, we have to be aware of the larger picture of Scripture. It's not saying you'll never face trouble or the Lord will protect you from every accident in life. But it is promising His presence with us. It's promising His provision to protect us from the evil that may well be in these events. Because that verse, uh, that read verse 7, could be translated, the Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will preserve you from being overwhelmed by evil in whatever happens to us and whatever we go through. I mean, the Bible's not, if nothing but realistic. <laughs> you look at every page and faith brings trouble. You know, it, the two things belong together. But there's also the promise that no matter what we face, nothing can separate us from God's grace and God's mercy and God's filling, fulfilling His plans and purposes for our life. It's the prevention of evil overwhelming us in these events and whatever happens to us. One writer, a man called Eugene Peterson, he wrote a sort of, more a sort of devotional sort of book based around these Psalms. And he says this, from the time of your repentance to the time of your glorification with the saints in heaven, you are safe. The Lord will keep you from all evil. None of the things that happen to you, none of the troubles you encounter have any power to get between you and God Dilute his grace in you, divert his will from you. And then he says, see Romans 8, which is probably quite a good suggestion, because in Romans 8, we have those very well-known words, don't we? Paul writes them, a man who knew loads of trouble in his life. As he journeyed, as he walks in faith, Paul knew beatings, shipwrecks, uh, torture, all sorts of things, calamities in his life. And Paul writes this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul was convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation that could come His way will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's really, in a sense, a New Testament interpretation, a wee bit of this psalm, I think. It's a great song to learn. It's a great song to be able to sing as we go into a new year. It's a great song to take to heart. It's a song which is uh, bristling with trust and confidence and assurance and faith in God. And the psalm spells out the context as we go into the new year in which we live our lives. Yes, we go into a future unknown, uncertain, without all the rest of it. But we know we do so under that shadow of his wing, if you like. That promise of God's presence and God's care and God's protection. 
At the end of the chapter, Peterson again says this, Faith is not a precarious affair of chance escape from satanic assaults. It is the solid, massive, secure experience of God who keeps all evil from getting inside us, who keeps our life, who keeps our going out, our coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And Psalm 121 says just that, that as we go into 2022, we can go in with hope and we go in with confidence and we can go in and trust the one who is with us day by day, the one who's constantly watching over us and the one who promises his ultimate protection. The one who says to you and says to me, for 2022, you'll never walk alone. Amen. We're going to just remain seated and sing song number 824. Really as a response to God's word this morning. It's a song which reminds us that we can have our trust and confidence in a faithful God the all-sufficient one for whatever comes our way in the new year. This is our God. And we'll remain seated as we sing, and we'll sing it through twice, Janice, thanks.
Lord God and our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for daring, for allowing us to dare to believe that you as the Lord Almighty have an eye in each one of us, in each of our lives today. Lord God, we thank you that we can place all of our days within your hands and within your care. And the one who is the eternal Father, we come and we express our trust to you afresh this morning. Father, for your faithfulness in the past, as we, as we think about it now in our own minds, we, we thank you. We thank you for your word which assures us today of your constant care. And so we praise you. And Lord, as we look into the future, we thank you that you are the one who holds the future and you hold us in your love. And even at the start of this new year, we now come and place ourselves once again into your keeping as we offer our lives for your service. And we ask these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We're going to close as we sing a very well-known older hymn, hymn which delights in God's faithfulness of the past and expresses our trust in God's faithfulness for the future. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. 200 and we'll stand as we sing. As we close, let's encourage one another as we say together the grace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>